1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Jason Greger Show live on Sports 1440 and Oilers Nation YouTube. Good afternoon. Hope you're having an awesome day. Big Thursday Nighter to discuss on the show. Uh, Edmonton Oilers. Get a preseason victory. They're not going to go winless in the preseason. All the angst can calm down. Not that there was much. Obviously, I'm kidding. But uh, Oilers, hey, uh, 2-1 games on home ice so far in the uh, preseason. Now, they have been working more in the defensive zone. And uh, they will be spending more time in the next 10 days in the offensive zone. But let's be real. We all know the offensive zone isn't much of an issue. Led the NHL in scoring last year. I think they'll be fine offensively. I also would like to reiterate that just because the Oilers want to play better defense doesn't mean it's going to sacrifice offense. I have lots of numbers to back that up. So uh, we'll get into it on the show today. As always, Gregor's show is presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca, where you can experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up today as a new player, and you will receive a $50 welcome bonus using the promo code SPORTS50. Try it out. Good luck. Stay within your limits. Packers-Lions tonight. Hmm. Is Gibbs going to break out at some point? We'll see. We shall see. Uh, On the show today, we're going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl, the associate captain of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Also... Here from uh, Stuart Skinner, who uh, was solid last night, despite not seeing much rubber early on. It's a good thing he didn't play half a game last night. He would have seen like three shots, which wouldn't have been ideal. So uh, they go the full 60 minutes. And uh, Jack Campbell will start on Friday in Calgary. And considering Stuart Skinner said he'd like three starts after Saturday, or sorry Friday, there's four games left. So Skinner said he'd like to get three starts, so that means two more for him. I would assume Jack Campbell would probably like three, so two more for him after Friday, which means we'll probably see Campbell on Friday, Skinner Saturday in Vancouver, Campbell Monday, although here's the thing. Yeah, you can go Campbell Monday against Seattle, then you can go Skinner against Calgary, and then Campbell against Seattle, or they might switch it, and have Campbell potentially get the Monday-Wednesday. So Stuart Skinner plays on the Friday. And then, of course, we'll have four days off, five days off, until they kick off the season opener against the Vancouver Canucks. Now, maybe the coaching staff has a different number of games, but considering they had the conversation with the goalies about 60-minute starts, you remember that you know, there was times where you'd start 30 minutes or 40 and guys would would change out, and Jay Woodcroft said last night was a prime example. Had they taken Stuart Skinner out because they said you're only playing 40 minutes, he would have had, at 40 minutes, he would have made 10 saves. Or, sorry, 10 shots. Like, yippee. That's not enough. You Guys want to feel the puck, as Stuart Skinner said. There was a few times where his heart rate got up a little bit. Even for goaltenders, you have to get yourself into game condition and game situations, and that that happened last night. Uh We could talk about some players... Like, hey, the order's, it's pretty obvious who's in competition here. We know it. It's going to be a forward for the final forward spot. And the competition comes down to DeHarnay and Broberg, I would think, as far as who's going to be uh, the number six slash seven. Now, maybe they go with seven. We'll find out. And they go 11-7 sometimes. They're only going to start with a 21-man roster unless there's a significant injury between now and First day of the regular season. Otherwise, it's a 21-man roster. Now, an injury update for you: Ryan McLeod, Matthias Ekholm, are both trending in the right direction and are both expected to get into one or two preseason games. So, doesn't they're not going to play Friday or Saturday? Maybe they're ready next Monday. One of them, if not uh, next Wednesday and Friday. And uh, you know what? Uh, doesn't seem to be a whole bunch of concern. Around the injuries or the fact that if they just play one or two preseason games, they should be fine. Uh, Raphael Lavoie, according to Jay Woodcroft, heck, he might, it sounds like you're going to see Lavoie play Friday and Saturday, which makes sense. Why not? You know, give give him the guy the opportunity to showcase what he can do. That's what you're going to do with Sutter. You're doing it with Pedersen or Peterson, excuse me. You're probably going to do it with Ernie and see where they go. And, you know, may the best player win. I think Lavoie had a decent first game. Like, none of them have stood out like, oh, my goodness, dominant. But also none have stood out like, oh, my goodness, they didn't look very good. So it's a good competition. But as you get down now, really, there's five preseason games left. What's Lavoie going to play? Four of them, maybe? Jay Woodcroft hinted he might get into six preseason games, which means he'd have to play the last five. But, you know, he said four or five for sure. So, you know, that means he's playing at least three of the final five. Because he's only played one thus far. So for all those wondering about uh, Raphael Lavois and how much uh opportunity he's gonna get, well, he'll get some. And remember, he's going to get it in the bottom six role. Because we got text coming in already in our Jiffy Lube inbox. 833 401 1440. You know, Raphael Lavoie needs more of an opportunity from Greg. Well, Greg, in in what sense? He's not going to play a top six role in Edmonton. So why Why would you put him with McDavid or Drysaddle? Right? He's not not playing ahead of Brown or Hyman. He's just not. So why would you put him there? Put him in a situation. Let's see how he handles playing 11 minutes a night, 10 minutes a night, 9 minutes a night sometimes. Because that's just the job. That's the role. It's hard. But that's what it is. So put him in a position that he's comfortable and he can show you, this is what I can do in this role. And – he starts there, and if he keeps playing well, then maybe he'll move to the third line. Keep playing well, keep playing well, you never know. Maybe you're in the top six. But that's you know, that's how it goes. Like there's there's a laundry list of guys that have done that on competitive teams. Right. And and I think older fans maybe, you know, they forget because it's been so long that you've had to work your way up the lineup. Look at Sean Horkoff. Sean Horkoff became a number one center in Edmonton. He didn't start as one. He wasn't gifted top six minutes. He's playing on the fourth line and then just slowly improve. Todd Marchand, same thing. Now, he never got to a top uh, center position slot, right? But his ice time and his role increased over time. And when you're, you have a competitive good organization, that's how it should be, both offensively and defensively. So, that's uh, how I see it. On the show today, we will hear from uh, Bronte. Uh, Terry Ryan is in. We will have a L.A. Chargers wide receiver Josh Palmer. Uh, to use the old uh, quote, "Knock knock, what's that? Opportunity knocks." With Mike Williams going down, so uh, Josh Palmer should be a guy that uh, maybe you've claimed him on the the waiver wire. Uh, we'll find out from him, and you know we'll get a little bit in depth on uh, Justin Herbert and uh, you know what what makes him tick as a quarterback. Uh, Mike Commodore, former NHLer, will uh, join us. Now, speaking of Commodore, because obviously he, you know, when you think of Mike Commodore, a lot of people think of Mike Babcock because Commodore, and by the way, there might be a few people who never believed Commodore that might be like, hmm, maybe he was on to something. But I don't know, Connor, if you have seen it, and I I try to, I got to get the name of the guy who made it, but have you seen those Mike Babcock memes? It's not really a meme, it's like... Somebody put it together where it's like a press conference and it's Babcock, but it's his voice, but it's not him, of course. It's like a, a mock press conference and just how he acts. Oh, my goodness. It is funny.
3: Yeah, the real Joey Mayo.
2: The real on Joey Mayo.
3: Oh, Sean like... Brown sent us that. I, I couldn't believe how much it looks like him. I thought it was. Babcock.
2: Yeah, no, it's not, I don't think I like it, it. No, like it looks way older and wrinkled and everything like that. But man, well, I'll put it up on my, uh, my Instagram. I, we might even play it on the show. Oh my goodness. I laughed.
3: Like just the mannerisms though. The like, ma- well, he nailed it. Like
2: the, the mannerisms and all just the little inside things. Like the opening one. Yeah. Drake's like that was funny. Um, you know, Conroy, the reporter asking him was funny. Uh, you know what, uh, how he drank from the water bottle was like identical. That was, that was one, like the, the attention to detail in this was quite good. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Mike and, you know, and I respect Mike Commodore because he didn't, people didn't want, oh, he's, it's funny. Be like, well, he, he can't be that bad. Are you sure? The guy was trying to tell you from his own experience and from lots of other people that this is who he was and how he treated people, and people didn't want to believe it. Why? Because sometimes Commodore was pretty harsh in it. Well, was he wrong? No. Now you might, if you want to disagree with how he went about it, that's fine. But that doesn't discount what he said. And I think we have to learn that sometimes. So, but we will talk other things with uh, with Mike Commodore. Uh, Also, Speck will be by. uh, Go racing with uh, Livingston uh, in the five o'clock hour today. Uh, Bronte will be by. Bob Nightingale. Oh, my goodness, Jace. You're taking on the New York Yankees who are out of the playoffs. They got nothing to play for. And you have two games now where you haven't scored a run. Not one. Come on, man. So we will uh, see. Now they do. Uh, they take on the Yankees again tonight, and you look at the uh, standings. Like we said at the start, they they were lucky because the, the, everybody that they're battling is is kind of playing each other in Houston and Texas and Seattle. And uh, now the Jays, they're eighty seven and seventy one. Seattle is a game and a half behind them. Houston is a half game back. So. Now, the Jays do have uh, one game in hand on uh, on Houston. Meanwhile, um, no, they're two back. Sorry, they're two Seattle's two back at Toronto. They lost again, so my bad. But they're lucky because I think, Connor, was it you who said technically the Jays could lose all their games this week and still make the playoffs because those teams were playing each other. So every night there was somebody that wasn't gaining ground on them. So that's uh, kind of remarkable when you think about it. So, but hey, offense, hello, hello, Bueller, Blue Jays, Bueller, hello, hello, offense, paging, paging the offense. It's a rather important time. Now, I know, hey, Garrett Cole's on fire as of late. I understand it. But still, got to find a way to get some runs, man. Just, like they're in a hitter's park. So, We'll, uh, we'll see what happens for the Blue Jays tonight. Bob Nightingale will uh, talk about that. Really, you know what? Some good races in in the major leagues of baseball in, in both the uh, AL and the NL. Right now, the Cubbies and Miami are tied for the final wild card spot. They have four games left. It's coming down right to the wire, man. Cubbies taking on Atlanta again tonight. Uh, Miami's got the uh, Mets. So. It'll, it's going to be entertaining down the stretch. It'll be very entertaining. Look forward to it. Now, I do want to get to... I wanted you to listen to uh, Jay Woodcroft here uh, right away. Because here was Jay Woodcroft on um, Raphael Lavoie. When I asked him, hey, Raphael, everybody knows kind of the situation that Lavoie's in, right? We, we know what he did last year, everything like that. And just asked Woodcroft about... The fact that Lavois said, Hey, I'm not coming here to be a top six guy. I got to start in the bottom six. And has, you know, what's he seen from him? So uh, here's Woodcroft discussing Lavois. a guy like Raphael Lavois obviously finished season very strong last year. He comes, in, everybody knows his contract situation. Yep. He had a solid first game, but there's only limited games. And he talked openly. He knows, I'm not a top six player here. I got to start in the bottom. So have you seen him doing what you want from a bottom six player?
0: Well, he's only played in one game. I thought he He showed uh, lots of good things in that game. There were some growth areas or growth moments as well. Um, For me, he did what he had to do last year which was improve and put himself into the conversation I like hearing you say that because um, that reflects a certain level of self-awareness on his part in terms of what the position available here is um, I would expect to see him in about uh, four or five maybe six um, exhibition games here so he's going to get every opportunity uh, he's had a good camp thus far he'll be in the lineup tomorrow night we're going into a tough building. I'm looking forward to seeing how Raphael Lavois helps our team win a game in Calgary tomorrow after, or tomorrow night.
2: So four, five, maybe six, which I, I, could he play all five? I'll say this. If he plays really well Friday and Saturday because I, I kind of get a sense he might go back to back Friday and Saturday because look, the orders are going to play in Calgary on Friday and uh, then they fly back after the game and before they leave for Vancouver on Saturday there's going to be a significant amount of cuts. And, you know, you can, you can, it's pretty easy. If you're watching practice today, you can see, you know, the top six guys are out there. Obviously Sutter and, and Peterson were out there. You had Ernie, uh, Brad Malone, uh, was out in the main group. Ryan, Yanmark, Holloway, Lavoie. Those are the guys out there, right? Fogel, of course. So. On the back end, Gleason and Nima Linen. Like, I don't think they're going to make the team. But if you look at kind of the pecking order of where the organization views them, those guys are probably, you know, eight and nine right now, as far as the depth chart on the blue line. And Raphael Lavoie, hey, get noticed, kid. Play well, and there could be an opportunity for you. It's tough, no question. Brandon Sutter is a veteran fourth line center. They, they kind of need a fourth line center. Like, I think Lavoie has to play lights out. Now, Derek Ryan is likely going to play a game at center here just to kind of see. But again, it's one game. And I, like, Raphael, in order for Raphael Lavoie to play, I think he has to play so well that they look and say, Hey, we're going to put him on the right wing and we're going to move Derek Ryan to center. And we still think that that's better because we like Lavoie that much than keeping Ryan on the right wing and playing Brandon Sutter or Lane Peterson. It's just how it is, so, and and it's no different really for uh, for Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie A's got to earn a contract, and then play so well that they think, you know what? We'll move Derek Ryan to the middle, so Ernie can play left wing on our fourth line. I'm not uh, I'm not sold on that. So, hey, Gregor, why can't Laval play in the uh, top six? Who has guaranteed Hyman a spot? Maybe LeVau can score more than Hyman. What's wrong with dedicating one preseason game to finding out? Sam from Vancouver. Sam, my man. Step away from the bong. Zach Hyman had 83 points last year. Why wouldn't he be guaranteed a spot in your top six? What are you talking about? The guy since coming to Edmonton both years just keeps improving on his career totals. And you want to take Raphael Lavoie because you're like, well, maybe he'll score. Mate, you think he's going to score more than Zach Hyman did last year? Seriously? No. Like that's just not realistic. Right? Like put Lavoie in a spot that he's going to play in the regular season. I don't care if Lavois plays well one game in the preseason with Dry Settle and McDavid. I'm not going into the start of the regular season saying, geez, you know, we really like Raphael Lavois in that preseason game. That's about sixty-five to seventy percent of the pace of a regular season game against seventy percent rosters. And now we're gonna move Zach Hyman out of our top six. Like there's no chance, man. None. Zilch, zero. It's not happening, nor should it. Like he he get ripped apart. Zach Hyman's beloved in the lineup. The guy's motor never stops. 100% all the time. And you don't think he's guaranteed a top six spot? Nope. When we come back, hey, the Jays aren't guaranteed a playoff spot. The odds are very good. But who do you like in the NL? And more importantly, how much will injuries factor in when the baseball playoffs begin Next week, we will find out with one of the uh, the legendary longtime baseball reporters on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 225. Welcome back. Jason Gregor Show on Sports 1440 and live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Appreciate you uh, watching the show, listening, streaming, wherever you're at. Uh, we appreciate it. You can always text us in our Jiffy Lube inbox. 833-401-1440. Also, that's our phone number. It's a multi-purpose line. So uh, we'll have some uh, phone calls in the uh, in the coming days. So we get definitely next week when you have some uh, prediction times. It's a lot of fun. But uh, if you ever want to get in, phone number is the same as the text line. 833-401-1440. Nice. You can multitask with it. Let's get to the uh, MLB report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home with no payments, no interest for one year on your AC or furnace. Stay warm all winter or cool all summer, LegacyHeating.ca. And uh, we are joined by a longtime MLB writer. And uh, you know what? It's always a thrill to have him on the show. Bob Nightingale joins us from USA Today. And, uh, Bob, hey, baseball, you can't script it much better when you have uh, playoff races coming right down to the wire uh, this season in both the NL and the uh, AL. The NL, of course, can't get any closer with Chicago and Miami tied with uh, four games remaining, and then you have uh, Seattle and uh, Houston. Now, Seattle's kind of got to pick up their socks here a little bit, uh game and a half back, and uh, they just they didn't get the results they wanted against uh Houston, and now they're taking on Texas, which probably isn't going to make things any easier. But I guess let's start in the NL, Bob. And uh, the Cubbies, who a few weeks ago we thought they'd coast into the playoffs, they kind of stubbed their toe, but do you still... Like the Cubs more, or the fact that you know now they've lost two again and Miami's right back in? Like, who do you like here with four games to go?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, the Phillies got the fourth spot. I still like the Diamondbacks, I you know, they just lost to Chicago for the fifth spot, and probably the Cubs over the Marlins. And then, I mean, the Cubs and if the Marlins went out, it's theirs, uh, but kind of favor the Cubs, uh. Be interesting because you know Milwaukee kind of controls their fate. Because Milwaukee's going to face the uh, the number six seed. So if they want the Cubs in, they'll lose the Cubs. If they want the Cubs out, they'll they'll go lights out and uh, face them all in the uh, first round.
2: You know, it's all that's an interesting concept because I know it, people have always said we should have playoffs where the top seed gets to pick their opponent. And uh, I'm like, okay, but you know, there, maybe it would work. Um, I, sure, it would lead to a, a lot more. Uh, uh, it'd be easy for Scribes and everybody to, and, and radio hosts to talk about things. Hey, look who they picked, man. And and the other team could really root for it. But, like, if you're Milwaukee, do you think it matters who you play? Like, do you see them having a better matchup against the Cubbies or Miami?
4: I, I would probably want to face the uh, Miami just in the sense. They only have two healthy starters. No you know, St. Alcantara. Uh You know, the Cubs do have Justin Steele. The one thing the Cubs have, too, is so close to Milwaukee, you know they'll have half that crowd full of uh, you know Cubs fans. That being said, I think Milwaukee's better than than either team and should win it. But you prefer your all your fans to be there and should have that 50-50 thing with the Cubs.
2: Yeah, no, that, that's fair. In the uh, you know Toronto, I guess is kind of who we thought they were they they have a stinker and then they go on a run for a bit and now they come home uh they're facing the yankees now i know that garrett cole has been really good so last night i can kind of get it but you know two games in a row you don't even score a run Uh, it's like the worst possible time for your team no question about it like are the jays a team that even if they get in like would they have a chance against tampa bay considering all the injuries tampa has
4: Oh, absolutely. I think the Jays, I mean, talent-wise, got as much talent as anybody in the American League. So uh, I, I think the Jays have a, uh, you know, a real uh, shot to get to the World Series. I, I think the American League is, is that wide open. It is not a juggernaut, you know, in the American League like Atlanta, or even, you know, Dodgers for that matter. So, no, I, I think they definitely have a shot.
2: And you mentioned how Milwaukee has a sense. The Jays, in theory, Control who they play as well. If they want to, they look and say, okay, if Seattle keeps losing, if we wanted to, we could finish sixth and face Minnesota instead of beating Tampa Bay and then facing them in the first round, right? Like, I, I, you know, it's, you don't want to lose on purpose just so you might, uh, finish sixth because you might end up missing the playoffs if you're the Blue Jays. But, you know, based on record, I, you know, Minnesota seems like a, a touch easier of a matchup. But do you think on paper, like when you look at their starting pitching, and considering the injuries Tampa has, I'd still want to play Tampa in the first round, wouldn't I?
4: I would. You know, uh, you look at Minnesota; they got a pretty good uh, starting yeah. Uh, You know, you know, with the way uh, Lopez is pitching, Sonny Gray, uh, you know, they're more. I think they're more dangerous than people think. So I'd rather. I think I'd rather face Tampa. Uh, obviously, they they've seen them a lot everything else. So I, I think the uh, Twins are sneaky good.
2: Bob Nightingale uh, joins us. You mentioned the uh, the Braves, and, and they have been exceptional all season long. Uh, you know, as soon as having one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen in, in Major Leagues of baseball. But you know, they got 102 wins. Baltimore has 99 wins, Bob, and I think Baltimore, you know, really good chance they're going to win 100 games. I, I don't know if there was anybody at the start of the season that thought the Baltimore Orioles were going to win 100 games. A lot of people thought they'd be improved. I don't think many thought they'd win the, you know, the, the division. Never mind the entire AL. Are you a believer in the Orioles, or come playoff time, is there still concern just because lack of experience?
4: Yeah, lack of experience. And, uh, you know, I don't think they had the lights out pitching. Uh, it certainly hurts them without having Batista. I know they're going to try to see if he can go in the playoffs. You know, maybe he can. Uh, but, you know, he hasn't pitched in a month you know, as a closer. So, yeah, the lack of experience worries you. They kind of remind me a lot of the uh, – Houston Astros when they came up in 2015 surprised excuse me surprised everybody and then uh, you know had this great run where I think that's what's going to happen to the uh, you know to the Orioles where if they don't you know, get to World Series this year you know I think they'll be favoring the, in the AL East for years to come.
2: Overall, Bob, and you've been around the league a long time. When you look at all the changes that baseball made, and these are significant changes, when you considering you know DH in the in the NL, and you consider you know, b- bigger bases, and you know the uh, the pitch clock, and you know out, or not banning but uh, limiting the uh, the switch, like those are those are significant changes uh, for a sport that didn't love making changes. And I think, and I'm not inside of it. You obviously covered for a living. From it seems like it's worked great. Has it worked better than you thought? And has the feedback from those you talk to, managers, players, GMs, is like, is the game way better than maybe even some of them thought it would be when these changes <laughs> were implemented?
4: I think the situation, where uh, at least the stolen bases, that makes the game a lot more exciting. You know, I'm, I mean, the Ronald Flanacoon is still 70 bases. We had uh, gone away from uh, stolen bases almost station to station. So that's made the game a, a lot of fun. You know, obviously having a, you know twenty five minutes off the uh, games and made the games a quicker pace. Than everything else, and there really hasn't been much complaints about it. Uh, you know, the, the shifts really haven't made much of a difference. The betting average, you know, hasn't really risen to I think what they had hoped. But yeah, I think a uh, it's a, it's a better game, and uh, you know, hopefully in the playoffs there is not some big you know. Uh, some big play decided by the by the pitch clock. I think everybody's open for
2: that. Well, the, you know the pitch clock, and, and you wonder. I don't know how much that had to do with Alex Manoa. I have no idea. But man, it, it's been a significant disappointing season for him. Uh, the fact that you know, he was not even pitching anymore. Like it was very strange that whole scenario. Any insight, Bob? And what like what happens there? Do they, do they kiss and make up, or is Manoa going to be in a different organization next
4: year? Well, I think he's got to be back in the Blue Jays organization just because you know how much trade value does it have? Yeah, fair
3: play.
4: Uh, you know, trade value just plummeted, so you're not you can't just give him away. And I think teams are saying, "Well, who's a real uh, Manoa?" So uh, you know, we'll see what happens in spring training. I think I don't think any team would trade for him unless they saw him pitch in spring training <laughs> to see how he looks. But uh, I would think the kiss and make up.
2: Okay. Yeah. You're probably right. The, obviously the trade value factors for sure for the Jays because they'd be, a, you know, it's, it's a no win situation. You're not, you're not going to get anything of trade value. And then if he goes somewhere and is the pitcher that people thought he'd be, well, then you end up looking like an idiot because, uh, you know, he traded him away for nothing. So, um, I'll be curious to see right. how that one, uh, unfolds. Um, looking at a few other teams as, as we enter the, uh, you know, the postseason and we've talked about Atlanta. This is, Excluding the playoffs, the upcoming offseason with Shohei Ohtani. And I know that he's coming off surgery, so he's not going to pitch next year. So that does, it might impact his free agency because he's already said he's not going to pitch. So his value somewhat goes down because he's not going to be the dominant pitcher and the dominant hitter that he has been for the last few years. But, you know, what type of numbers do you think you're going to see from Ohtani? And do you think there's a chance it might just be a short-term deal because he, cause a team might not pay him what he thinks he's worth when he's both healthy to pitch and play, uh, be a hitter.
4: No, I think he'll get a guarantee of at least uh, $430 million, Uh you know, up, up to $500 million. What? And, uh, you know, there'll probably be some incentives in that contract. Okay. Like, okay when he starts pitching in 2025, you pitch so many innings, you know, he'll get X amount of money. Okay. Or, you know, how many starts. You know, that sort of thing. So, and, you know, it's it's not about, you know, money for this guy. It's not like he, uh, you know, he makes, what, $40 million off a field, which yeah. is by far the greatest in baseball history. Uh, uh, he just wants to be comfortable. You know, I think he, I think he stays out west. Uh, I'd be stunned. If he leaves, especially if you want to pitch, you don't want rain delays, rain outs, that sort of thing. So if you can get the best weather, you want to stay on the west coast. So <clears throat> I think you stays he's in uh, either L.A. Or, or Anaheim. I'm not going to rule out San Francisco, but I think mean, the Dodgers they have heavy
2: favorite. Yeah, as I was going to ask you. So it's the uh, Dodgers. What about the Yankees? Because, man, for years, the Yankees, uh, when they had George around, they never lost out on a big-name guy. Um, there, there seems to be a, a little bit of a difference uh, in the organization or maybe how that's perceived. I don't know. But what do you make of the Yankees off season and, and what they have to do to be competitive again next
4: year? Yeah, Yankees have a lot of work to do. There are a couple of GMs that told me this spring that the Yankees would make the playoffs. You know, it turns out they were right. They used to like the talent level. Uh, I don't think Otani would go there. Just because he's pretty much a homebody. <clears throat> Excuse me. He never goes out. And when uh, the Angels were in New York last month, he says he's never left his hotel room except to go to the ballpark. So I think the I think they'll be aggressive in the free agent market. You know, Maybe uh, a Blake Snell, uh, maybe a Cody Bellinger, that sort of thing. But I don't see Otani going there. And they got to be careful. <laughs> Same with the Red Sox, just because of the way Baltimore's coming on. Blue Jays have all the young talent, too, and the Rays are always winning. So, you know, I don't see, see any way they'll be the favorites going through the year.
2: No, not at all. Bob, uh, for fun, Which team misses in the NL and which team misses in the AL here in the next four or five days?
4: Well, I think Seattle misses in the, uh, in the AL. I think that was a uh, big for Houston to beat them two or three in Seattle. They're on the outside looking in right now. So I think they miss out. They had a great August, but they just kind of hit a a wall in September. So I don't see them making it in A climp up between
2: Miami and excuse me the (coughs) Cubs. Well, there you go. Hope Bob's doing all right. That was uh, Bob Nightingale from uh, USA Today. The uh, Jays he thinks are in Seattle. That was a tough series. They probably had to, to to sweep it or at least win two out of three, and they ended up only winning one out of three. So, good news for Jays fans. Bad news for uh, Brad and all of the uh, Mariners fans. Uh, when we come back, uh, Ruben Bronte will uh, join us. We'll talk about the uh, the depth on the blue line of the Edmonton Orders as well as why many are mistaken when they claim that the order is improving their defense means they have to suffer offensively. There's actual data that tells you that's not the case. We'll discuss it next on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you as we roll through. want to get to this text. Uh, Hey, guys, just curious. Do you think Romano's overrated? Last year, wild card game. The other night, ninth inning. Doesn't seem to shine in the big moment. Small sample size. But how many do you get in MLB playoffs uh, with the implications from Randy? Well, I look at this season, Randy, and he's had four blown saves out of 40 save opportunities. And if you look at all the regular starters, uh, regular closers, excuse me, I think the fewest blown saves amongst the guys who start, you know, who have had at least, um, you know, 30 or so save opportunities. We're talking like three. Alex Diaz is uh 37 out of 40. Same with uh, David Bednar. So I'm not I'm trying to think of another guy who's, who's closer. Most guys have five or six or four. So I, I don't know. Like if you only look at one or two games, would you like him to get it? Sure. But, you know, I think the other one, had they not, had they taken him out, like he just didn't have it for whatever reason, didn't have it that day. They still could have won the game. Well, maybe they wouldn't have won the game, but I I could have made the argument. I thought there was a case where the manager, you're like, hey, man, our closer, who's been great. And I understand his one theory is like, hey, he's the guy who's been there with us. we got to give him the opportunity. Sure. But sometimes the tough decision is the right decision say, guess what, man? You're unreal, but you don't have it today. So we're going to go with someone else. Done. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I could say he's overrated. Like I, I don't think anybody's said, man, Romano's the best closer in the game. He's not Mariano Rivera, but he's pretty solid. I, I think he's pretty solid. What do you think, Cons? I don't. Know, I don't really have much of an issue with him.
3: No, I mean, there's other circumstances. That have gone into some of those blown losses for sure, or born save opportunities. The the wild card game. I mean. Or I'm thinking back to last year, defensive miscues certainly stand out in, in some of those collapses, but yeah. he, he wouldn't be my first complaint when it comes to the Blue Jays. The inconsistency amongst the bats, uh, defensive errors at certain times. Yeah, I mean, sure, he's had a couple of blown saves and a couple games where you're a little frustrated with how he's been handled, but uh, not the top of my list, I guess. But then again, like you said, we don't look at him and say, this guy's always going to be Mr. Automatic. He's not Hoffman or Rivera, right? Yeah. No, oh, wow,
2: and hey, even those guys blew a few saves, but not exactly. many. They were uh, they were pretty good. Let's get to the oil report now. Brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton, where you can stop in right now. Get a great deal whether you want a new vehicle, a demo, or a pre-owned Volvo. One point four nine percent financing. Stop in. We want the S uh, sixty, the car. I'm driving one right now. It's unreal. Highly recommend. The XC90 for the SUV. I'm getting one because coaching season's here for minor hockey, and I just I got a lot of coaching stuff. I need a little bit more space, so looking to get one. Love it. VolvoEdmonton.com. As we uh, welcome in uh, Ruben Bronte, who uh, joins us every uh, Monday and uh, Thursday, uh, sporting the uh, Edmonton Trappers jersey today. It's old school, Rubes. I like it. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty nice. Um. And I can tell because he joins us on our uh, YouTube page at Orders Nation. Uh, I I guess let's start with, you know, the orders depth chart on the blue line. Uh, We all know that right now you've got Broberg and you've got DeHarnay and they're kind of battling out to see maybe who's going to play with Ekholm. We'll see when Ekholm gets back in, if they keep the Kulak and Cc pairing together or not on October 11th for opening night.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
2: But after that, and you know the orders were extremely healthy last year on the blue line, and, and hopefully they are again. But if not, histo- history tells us eventually your number eight and your number nine D men. Are gonna see some time. You know, they got Nima Linen. It was interesting. I don't know if you heard Jay Woodcroft today. At the end of the year, they said to Marcus Nima Linen, like, in the minors, we see your physicality. We didn't see it in the NHL. That's kind of your calling card. And last night was his first game. Nima Linen, he was he went out of his way to be physical as much as he could last night.
5: Yeah, you know, it's funny at the start of last season. I think a lot of people were talking about this big aggressive Finn who was making some noise on the blue line. And, you know, I thought he was on his way, frankly, at that point, <clears throat> you know, you jump ahead a year and now he's not in that, he's not top of mind with everybody else. When you think of the first six or the first seven, Oh, when you're talking the seven hole, we've been talking about uh Desharnay, uh, or broberg not that you play broberg in the seventh hole but if you're carrying 7d i haven't heard Nima Lyon's name very often certainly haven't heard uh heard uh, kemp uh either yet these guys they were all in last night there was no place to hide now vancouver was not dressing a lineup that is going to scare a lot of people but the fact is they all played and i thought they they were all fine and they they're they're completely different players. Uh, their style. I love Nima Line, and he's a big aggressive guy. He is. I mean, the difference between him and DeHarnay maybe uh, natural meanness. DeHarnay's maybe got that chip on his shoulder where he he kind of likes it. But uh, big Nima Line, and I tell you what, that's a nice option to have if you want a guy who's who's gonna uh, hit some bodies and raise some hell because. And you've talked about it Jason, you need different aspects on your defense. You can't have everybody the same. You can't have everybody as a puck mover and you can't have a bunch of bangers that beat the puck square. You need that mix and Niumelin is a guy we know what he'll bring uh, if he gets a chance to play. Uh, what do you think of Gleason? You know what? Uh, I thought, you know what? I thought he was I thought he was okay, Jason. Um what what I like is you know, he's here on a 1-year deal. Uh, you know, he's got 5 seasons in down in Texas. So he's been playing, you know, a good level of pro hockey. Um I guess he's going to have to he's going to have to grow on me a bit. He's not uh, uh you know, he's not one of those guys that uh grabs you with the way with the way he plays, Um, you know, he, what was he, he was mostly paired with D RNA, was he not? And, you know, I, I was sort of look, I've been sort of looking at day RNA. The guy that interests me really uh, is, is uh, Kemp, Uh, you know, guys who guys who look at him uh, talk about a guy who's overlooked a little bit, who's steady, uh, who's old school in that defense first, uh, he's not going to grab you by the collar and shake you up and nobody's going to go, holy cow, what's, who's this guy? But if you can defend, that's a that still matters when you're standing on the blue line. And I, I like the looks of him. I don't think there's room for more than one of them at the outside, at least to start the year. But as we've talked about, they were, the Oilers were very healthy last year. And I think you'd be, you know, hoping against hope that they can stay that healthy this year. I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier, and so did I, you know, 82, 82, 82, 80 for CeCe, 78 for Ekholm between Nashville and Edmonton. You're not going to get that kind of health from those five guys who play that many minutes. At least I'd be surprised. So you need somebody else other than DeHarnay and, and Broberg who's going to try and get his feet wet uh, when you're in the middle of February still trying to win hockey games. And that's where uh, the Niemalainen and Kemp, uh, guys like that, come in handy. Robin Brownlee joins us from uh... –
2: uh, dot com. Uh, you know, Kemp's the one guy who's just, he's a solid defender. Gleason obviously has the best puck poise of the three, no question. But, uh, you know, Phil Kemp's that guy that I, I think it could fill in in a third pair of defense role if you need it for a short period of time. And, you know, does he have the foot speed? That's, that's really what's holding him back from being an NHL defenseman at this point is his foot speed. He thinks the game incredibly well. He's very good at defending. But when you get to the NHL speed, uh, how would it, how would he handle that? That's probably the question. For him, uh, you move up front, uh, Jay Woodcroft, uh, when I asked him about Lavoie, he was, uh, he was very open and honest about, uh, what he sees and where he sees him fitting in. Obviously, and even Lavoie himself said, he goes, Hey, I know if I'm making this team, it's in a bottom six role. That's obvious. So, you know, you got to play that style. Uh, Jay hinted that, you know, we might see Lavoie in, in all five remaining games. I think that might be a stretch, but at least three and definitely a good chance for four. So they're going to give him an opportunity. You know, we saw Sutter and, and Lane Peterson last night. I thought, uh, Brandon Sutter did all the things you want from your fourth line center, right? wasn't flashy per se, but on the penalty kill, I thought he was fairly noticeable. And that's a good thing. And that might be the one difference. You know, Raphael Lavois doesn't really get, doesn't get penalty kill time. So how's he going to get in the flow of things, right? That's going to be his challenge. Like he's going to have to knock the doors off here in the remaining preseason games. Otherwise, I think he's in tough just because of
5: usage. Yeah, that's assuming they don't take uh, Zach Hyman out of the top six
2: to fit Lavoie.
5: I was looking in when you read that one. I don't think so. You know what I like about Lavoie? Uh, you know, we've talked about his size. We've talked about his shot. He's, he, I think he knows that he's got to get after it in terms of a physical sense. He's seen that a little bit. What I like most uh, – is Woodcroft talking about, you know, perhaps the possibility of how much he plays him. I'm not losing a big, strong kid with some nice hands without having a long look, and I'm not going to risk losing them on waivers until I know what I've got. So of those five games, yeah, three at the minimum. I'd try maybe try four, uh, you know, although you do want to look at, pretty much your set lineup in the last couple at least most coaches do but let's see what's there and and the other thing too jason the deeper you go where you give him reps uh, you're going against better lineups and you're getting a better read on what he can actually do instead of playing against lineups with five nhl guys or six nhl guys and it So I want to see what he can do. I mean, 25 goals last year in the AHL is nothing to sniff at. That was top 30, and he didn't play all the games. So, uh, man, if you're going to risk losing him through waivers, uh, take a long look and know what you're either keeping and know what you're giving up. What is the harm in keeping him here through most of the preseason uh, before you make a decision? What, somebody else, an older pro, is going to get – Pissed off about not playing. I mean, let's have a look at the kid and see what he can do.
2: Yeah, here's. I understand that he scored well in the NHL. I just I always like to remind people Tyler Benson had a sixty-plus point season in the American. How's Amanda? We had um, Anton Lander. Had uh, he was a point a game player in the American League? Came up to the NHL? No. So yeah, it's great that he scored the the, the twenty five goals and he had an excellent second half of the season. But um I, I I just like to remind people that it's a massive jump, especially because he goes from playing on the power play and everything else to now playing in a third and fourth line role that's infinitely different.
5: Well, and Jason, no disagreement here. I've seen it a hundred times times over the years i've seen guys the years i i spent uh covering the blazers and camloops watching guys transition up from the the guys who were scorers in the dub now okay let's see if he can do it in the minor minor pros and then the nhls another big step up but let's see it now if 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 he can't do it that's fine the other thing that's going to cause him to do jason is well he can't abandon what got him there he's got to a- Say, okay, how can I fit in what I do best with a role that I can play and a position that I can play for this team here and now? So, do I have to grind some uh, more than I'm used to? If that's what it takes, okay, that's what I'm going to do. If I have to be more physical than I I have been in the past, because sometimes I'm hunting pucks and trying to score goals in the American Hockey League where it's easier to do it, you have to shift. We've seen We've seen big, way bigger scorers than Raphael Lavois have to turn into third and fourth line checkers. And that's okay, but it gets you a sniff. And we've seen guys come up here who had scored some pretty good points, came in as checkers on fourth, third line. Sean Horkoff was a fourth liner when he came in here, not comparing the two totally different players, but guys come in with one ticket that gets them, gets them the look. And sometimes the ticket that keeps them there is completely different.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's what Lavois going to have to do, at least for the first year or two of his career. That's just, you know, uh, unless yep. Sam is is coaching the uh, the orders, then he'll get a shot of the top six because Zach Hyman's not proven. But uh, And that's obviously being a little facetious. So uh, we will see uh, how that goes. Uh, one last one for you, Rubes. I know you're wearing your Trappers jersey. So are you all concerned about the Jays or are they just – you know, they kind of like, Hey, uh, I know that Garrett Cole's been unreal as of late. So, but you know, sometimes you got to tip your hat to the opposing pitcher, but are you concerned at all about the Jekyll and Hyde of the Jays offense?
5: Yeah, I am. The only, you know, you can talk to a, whether it's a coach in football or hockey or basketball or a manager in baseball. Uh, the one thing they'll tell you is what they want, want to know most. Is not how great we can be top end, what's our, what's our floor, what's our ceiling. They want to know what they're going to get every day. And what you're getting is the <laughs> proverbial box of chocolates right now from this, from this club. Um, play a certain way, play within certain bounds, don't have huge... Uh, differences between your best and your worst be boring and be consistent that's what managers want when they're making lineup decisions uh, defensively for, for their position players uh, offensively for their batting order and you don't know what you're going to get uh, right now and a couple of their best hitters have been so on again off again that how do you know what you're going to get rooms have a good one we will chat with you next week Okay, Jason, see you. That's uh, Robin Brownlee,
2: a.k.a. Ruben Bronte, com Joins us every Monday and Thursday. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley when we return. Uh, Terry Ryan will join us. Ooh, it's on the eve of a big day for TR. What's he going to show up in today? We will find out after. A sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specialized in all your residential, commercial, and industrial, structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.